Hello and thanks for tuning in. This is the radio ministry of Grace Community Church in Jefferson City, Missouri. Please open up your Bibles and join us. Here's Pastor Dennis Helton. Okay, I think we're ready to go. We're dealing with the perseverance of the saints and assurance of salvation, kind of closely related. And, uh, of course, there's a reason for that. Uh, chapter 17 and chapter 18 of the, uh, of the uh, Westminster Confession. And um, I kind of have on our PowerPoint here tonight um, Zach Whitson's Congregational Confession. And it's a little longer on that very first one. Uh, matter of fact, quite a bit longer. But he's qualifying some things there that I have like uh, basically just one pretty quick sentence for section one. And uh, he gives in, uh, goes into a little bit of length and uh, kind of sets it up for it, which uh, he said it kind of gives um, comfort and hope for, for the Christian. And that's the reason uh, that he did that. Anyway, I guess as uh, we get ready to start, won't we uh, go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer? That he'll lead us tonight here. In Jesus' name, we, uh, we pray, Lord, looking to you and realizing that you are the, the great, awesome God indeed that we know of through Scripture. And as we look at the truths about who you are and what you have done for us, what you give us, uh, we have been blessed. And as we talk about perseverance, as we are preserved by you, and also we can have assurance of salvation, of, uh, of eternal life. We can know that. Uh, so, uh, Lord, we thank you for the teaching of that. We have all the evidence that's in the, the written scripture. And so help us uh, gain some more insight on that. Even though we believe that, we can see historically why uh, other Christians have believed it. And also to help uh, bolster us in times of challenge to our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, let's uh, let's open up right here with this very uh, first one. Um, there are three, I think, in uh, the Perseverance of the Saints, three sections. And those whom God has accepted in the Beloved and has effectually called and sanctified by His Spirit. So those would be all the believers. And you can see that there are certain scriptures that these are come out of, or a ton of them, really. Uh, and given the precious faith of His elect. So He's talking about real, true believers here, right? The elect, the sanctified, the accepted in the beloved, effectually called. Uh, anyway, they can neither totally nor finally fall from the state of grace, but they will certainly persevere in that state to the end and be eternally saved. This is because the gifts and calling of God are without repentance and therefore he continues to beget and nourish in them faith, repentance, love, joy, hope, and all the graces of the Spirit which lead to immortality. And though many storms and floods arise and beat against the saints, yet these things shall never be able to sweep them off the foundation and rock which they are fastened upon by faith. Even though through unbelief and temptations of Satan, the sight and feeling of the light and love of God may for a time be clouded and obscured for them, yet God is still the same 
and they are sure to be kept by his power until their salvation is complete, when they shall enjoy the purchased possession, which is theirs. For they engraved upon the palm of his hands, and their names have been written in his book of life from all eternity. That's a long paragraph. And who wrote that? <laughs> That's Zach Whitson. And he got on a writing binge there. Oh, and yeah, he did real good. Yeah, he did. Hard to, hard to imagine, actually, <laughs> those were his words. There's <laughs> spot that I didn't understand, though, without the hands. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't get that. This uh, is because the gifts and calling of God are without that, that might be better said if you were to look maybe in uh, uh, Romans chapter 11. No, he doesn't change his mind, but you know, in that in that sense, um, yeah. I think uh, I think what it could mean is that because of, in the very first part is talking about the elect and the true believers, not the saying that they are not going to repent, but I think that um, because God has chosen them to be faithful to the end, then. It's it's found in verse um, verse twenty nine of Romans eleven. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Now that's my NAS uh, repentance. I think probably is used in the King James, and um, that means. Well, this is because the gifts and calling of God are without, without change. God is, whatever his callings are on the people, he will not change, he doesn't change his mind. It's without repentance, without, without, without changing. Without change. you know? Yeah, that's a bad word. <laughs> He's using ye old English that's, that's there. Exactly you got to know Zach. It says, uh-huh. for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Yeah. And New King James might even have that too, uh, probably does. That's the one I use so often. But NAS says irrevocable, you know, in that. And so there he's talking about um, the gifts of God, the calling of God. Whatever he's promised, he will. Yeah, we think of repentance. Yeah. Right. Right. God does not repent in the sense he doesn't face his sin or in that sense, but he also, he doesn't change, he doesn't change his mind. Now, sometimes there will be a relenting in the Old Testament, but that's an anthropomorphism. It's saying it in a way that we humans can understand. And the way I was taking that is about human repentance, about sinners repentance. Right, right. Oh, okay, yeah, that, yeah. that could be confusing there. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. 
So, so th this first paragraph, actually, here's how section one reads in, in the original. If you happen to be using that, if you look it up on your own phone or whatever, it says, They whom God has accepted in his beloved, effectually called and sanctified by his spirit, can neither totally nor finally fall away from the state of grace, but shall certainly persevere therein to the end, be eternally saved. A little shorter. <laughs> but you can see what he did there. I mean, that shows all the promises and everything that God has done for us and who we are in Christ. And and so uh, that's that's why he put that there. I, I, had, uh, I had mentioned something to him uh, yesterday. I said, we were going to be doing this. And I said, yours is a little bit longer than what section one is. And he said, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Anyway, this is uh, what we're dealing with is this is the fact. This is the fact here of the preservation that God has for us. It's without any kind of doubt whatsoever. It's We persevere because we are preserved. And really, we cannot pre uh, persevere on our own. It's because God is, is preserving us. And sometimes some people will use that word preservation of the saints rather than perseverance of the saints because it sounds like something that we do. Uh, but there again, that a believer cannot fall away from the state of grace. Uh, that's a fact. Um, it, it doesn't say that we'll, there will be no lapses. It doesn't say that there will be no falls because that will happen, and we do fall short. And in Romans 7, I think, it explains that. And then to Romans 7, as just before you go into Romans 8, what does it say? Oh, wretched man that I am. We still recognize that, you know, we still sin. And sometimes there can be dismal falls, uh, dismal in, in, in the sense that uh, radical sin in one's life. Uh, and there can be shame in one's life. Every day they can feel that shame. But if there's a flame of faith ever so low, it will not go out. And believe me, God can make that flame come back up, and he does do that. Um, what, what we can see as we, as we get ready to go into section two, and I'll just put this out, perseverance does not depend upon our free will, but it's because of the election of God, as, as he said there, the, the elect, it's the election that God decreed. And that's the reason. If he, if he has a plan and a purpose that he does before the foundation of the world, and he's God, he's going to make sure that it goes all the way through. And so, uh, and, and by the way, we are being prayed for, we're being interceded for all at the same time. Uh, of course, by Christ and on his merits. Now, the reason, one of the reasons why they would come up with this perseverance of the saints and it's a great doctrine isn't it super doctrine oh definitely and thank the lord for it what what if he left us in, where we had nothing but to do but to think i might be a christian but i'm not sure i don't know if i can have eternal life i i have it now but i don't know if i can hang on to it and sadly to say i think at least half the christian realm believe in 
losing salvation. Almost all your Pentecostals. I can't, I can't even say that I've even seen or talked to a Pentecostal that believes in, in what we just read, the perseverance of the saints. Assemblies of God would be one of the, the biggest ones, and we know for a fact they believe you can lose salvation. Um, Nazarenes will believe in losing salvation. The Methodists believe in losing salvation. Church of Christ, Christian Church, uh, that takes in quite a, a bunch of names, and even the Lutheran Church um, believe, and, and they don't define it very good, uh, but um, it's talking about their baptized ones who they, but then, then if you ask them, well, can the elect lose salvation? And I've asked some pastors on that, and they say no. Mystery. But then they, have you heard that before? They always say yeah, mystery. That's exactly yeah. what they'll say. Well, we really don't know. I'm saying that doesn't make sense. Right. Right. You can lose your salvation, but the elect can't. I mean, I, yeah, Debbie. Isn't it in Genesis that it talks about the book of life and how it was written, the names were written before the foundation of the earth? Well, there you go again. We're tying into... How can, how can you, if it was written before the foundation of the earth, when you were ever born, if you were one of the elect, before earth ever existed, then how can you be also Nothing. not aware? Yeah, and, and that along with... I mean, I've used that passage with my brother. Mm-hmm. Actually, yep. I think, and maybe I'm just speaking for myself. Well, I know I'm not just speaking for myself, but in this room I may be. I think the bigger problem for me has been not believing that you can lose your salvation, but being uncertain of whether you were ever saved in the first place. Like, because I have done things like any saved person would never have done that. Yeah, David would have never killed anybody. I would have never done what I did. David would have never done that. Where where you're at there, Audrey, is the very next chapter. That's where assurance comes in. All right. Yep, you're you're hitting right on target. And that's why these complement each other. Oh, you're not the, you, you're not the only one <laughs> that has ever had that. Believe me, uh, and that's why some of this is written uh, because there are times when there are the lapses or we just start thinking about things. And as Chris said, that's exactly his whole thing is doubt, always doubt, doubt. You know, I mean, that's even exactly when he tempted Eve in the garden. Mm-hmm. Put up a seed of doubt in your mind. Then you're back to what Debbie said there and said, if your name is written in that book of life, it still it really does not depend again on you. So then that's when you find your rest back in it. It's the if your name is written. So you, okay. said, you said that they say that people can lose their salvation, but the elect can't lose their the, salvation. The, the Lutherans, that's what I've gotten. And, and it's it, only the elect that has And if you can't understand that, then it's a mystery. And that's what Lutherans always revert back to. That's what Alan was saying there in humor. But at the same time, that's they. That's exactly what they go back. When you can't understand it, then it's mystery. And there is mystery in Christianity. Salvation only belongs to the elect anyway. Well, yeah, right. So it's like there's two groups of people. There's people who can and the elect who can't. Well, the people, plain old people, if they're not elected. Well, let's see, it goes back to their baptism. When you baptize an infant, and Lutheranism is not like what uh, the Presbyterians would have in their infant baptism, um, the Lutherans kind of go really, that is um, like baptismal regeneration. And so therefore, you got them baptized, and they've been regenerated, 
But they make room for losing salvation in the sense, yeah, but they were not the elect then. And you say, how can that be? Yeah. Well, it's a mystery. It's a little bit like the, the, the doctrine of the Pope, uh, the infallibility, where he is infallible, but if he fails, then that means he wasn't at that time he infallible. You can explain it away, right? It's a circle. That's right. So, uh, the same, if you take this doctrine, uh, let's, let's, let's think about the Church of Rome. And, of course, this is definitely one group that they are having to hammer against here. Here's what the Church of Rome said in the Council of Trent. Do you hear that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that outside? It, it must be. Yeah, it's probably somebody's yeah. cards. Yeah. yeah, pretty loud. Okay. Here's the Council of Trent. And, of course, this is along about the same time. Here's what they say. If any, and this would be us. This would be about us here. If any person shall say that a man who has been justified cannot lose grace and that therefore he who falls and sins was never truly justified, he shall be accursed. What he's saying there is... Okay, some, some people say, well, I believe, you, I believe you can lose salvation. We say, no, you can't lose salvation if you're really a Christian. If you've been justified, you can't lose it. And the Catholics say, if you ever say that, you be accursed or anathema. means cut off or damned. So is that, would you say that it's like condemning someone? Yeah. yeah. They uh, condemn if we say that right. somebody... Uh, because they've been justified, they can't lose their salvation, and, with, and that's our whole thing that we're talking about here, then we are accursed so by them. People, because when I hear the word grace, it's the same thing as salvation, right? Is it? Could you... Saving well, grace? salvation is by grace. By grace, right. But so, you can have grace, other but, kinds of grace. But you can't lose God's grace. Because no. it's mercy. So... If you say, well, can you lose God's grace and mercy? It's like because he gave us grace and mercy on his behalf, not on ours. So in the same sense, how can we lose salvation if it was never ours in the first place? Right. Yeah, you can't lose it. Right. And when God gives a gift, he doesn't take it back, even when we're disobedient, because he's faithful even though we're not, when we're not, he is. That's because... The Holy Spirit. Well, is that, yeah, well, he, he's without repentance. <laughs> or <laughs> irrevocable. Yeah. On the other hand, I'm glad that we speak of the perseverance of the saints because then there is the other side that says, one saved, always saved. Uh, <laughs> and, and there is truth to that, but... And the Southern Baptists have always been known to do that. I grew up. Yeah. through that system and there was a man who preached revivals and one of his biggest sermons and every time it was on a Friday night and he, he would pack the place out it was called once saved always saved huh. but and that's what he did on his but get your ticket yeah <laughs> well you know because a lot of people think oh well then you don't have to have any fruits the, you know right. n- there are no works we, and we already talked about that last week right repentance right. good works so Baptist, a lot of them like the idea of being saved forever, but they don't necessarily like the idea of, of being obedient. Right. I'm not saying Baptists don't like to be obedient. I'm just saying there's some people that really hang on that d- doctrine 
And so therefore, when you say once saved, always saved, we know what they're saying. Right. And even though we believe that, because that, that is true, but we know, okay, here's what the Baptist always went to. Right. Yeah, right, right. Kind of yeah. sowing seeds of rebellion. Yeah. Hey, I'm a saved. It's okay. Yeah. I can do anything I, mean, I want. That's like I've that's that. like swine uh, praying with pearls. Yeah. Right. You know. Yeah. Because it's a yeah. glorious doctrine, though. Mm-hmm. But you turn it into cheap. It's a cheap mm-hmm. grace. You devalue yeah. the truth. Exactly. So, so it can go to extremes, can Water it? Coffee. Either what? And matter of fact, there were whenever John MacArthur came out with his book called it was dealing with lordship salvation. Um, the Gospel According to Jesus. And I think it's been one of the best books written in, in the 1900s. <laughs> I think it wasn't that it's book? been here quite a bit. I don't know if it's in and out. Wasn't that his first book? It wasn't really his first book. He had had, but that was his one that really got, got, yeah, controversy really happened. And it was with Dallas Theological Seminary, which was, was always known as a really good seminary. But they believed in what Alan was talking about. No matter what happens in your life, if you have walked an aisle and you've 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 said the prayer, and you've you know you join the church, no matter what happens after that, you are saved. And matter of fact, I think Charles Ryrie and and Zane Hodges, Zane Hodges went so far as to say, and he wrote there was a book out called "So Great a Salvation." Speaking about, look at God's grace, how much, you know, and it's true, you know. But he he was saying you can even be a Satanist, and if you ever confess Jesus Christ, you're still a Christian. You're going to heaven. And a lot of them would go back because of their parents, because of people in their family, people they knew, and they said, "Well, hey, they they profess their Christianity, and who are we to doubt that?" And so MacArthur had this going on debate, and they wrote back books back and forth. They were guys who were who had been friends before they knew each other. MacArthur used to speak at at uh, Dallas Theological Seminary quite frequently. Uh, but anyway, that uh, I remember when that really uh, that happened, and Zondervan had a field day with it because they took MacArthur's book. Then they would have Zane Hodges' book and both. put them together. That's right. They did. Matter of fact, that's what they did. They, and we'd have a sales rep come in, and he says, "Here's here's how what you ought to do is put this on display." We're having to kind of deal with that now because uh, someone that's close to us is listening to a, a preacher that's really dangerous, and he teaches the easy believism. Easy believism. That's another. Yeah. Who who is that? Stephen Anderson. Is I don't name? even know Stephen Anderson. He is terrible. I mean, he's one of those guys that grabs the Bible. Um, so that he can inspire hate on people. So he'll get on his uh, pulpit and start saying, God hates the, you know, those homos. But he doesn't preach the gospel. He just uses the, the law. Right. Uh, I wish they all died. And so he went on a, he went on a, on a television show, Secular, and they asked him if you had a chance to speak to a homosexual and they would listen to you, what would you say to them? And he'd say, honestly, I just tell them to shoot themselves. Get a oh, shot. Wouldn't yeah, give them the gospel? Yeah, no. Get, get a shotgun and shoot yourself. But then I was lo- I was looking into one of his videos, because we're dealing with someone that's listening to, the, to him. And um, on 
their video, of course, the guy believes that if you went to a church one time and you accepted Christ, you're going to heaven. So there are points where he's like, yeah, you're going to heaven, so just shoot yourself now. You know, before you, if you're, if you're homosexual, before you go rape people, just go shoot yourself now. Why so you Yeah. That's like that's cultic like. That's it that's is, it, it is this cultic. man is not preaching the gospel. He's not a yeah, I can say not, this not, man's not a Christian. No. You know, that that, that is not See, even that, close. Those are the always you know, those people are dangerous. Yeah. I mean those people are worse it's, than it's atheists. A televangelist? Because at least no, but he's on YouTube so like, and his videos. We deny, we deny, we deny. He's popular. We stir up front, you can see that. Okay, well I get where you're coming from, but these people are like Oh, the, the word of God, and then you're like, no, you're you're, you're confusing it. You're taking everything out of context, and you're trying to put two scriptures that don't fit together, and you're trying to make it your own thing. You're not supposed to do that. And what's sad is they get followers. Yeah, yeah. you know, and there's people you know right there. Yeah. People actually follow that. We're going, no way, you know. Right. I mean, I mean that's pretty easy to discern. Well, but no, you would be surprised because be he surprised says a lot of truth, and so you it's like, you know, this person is listening to him and. Finally, someone's standing up to all these homosexuals, and stuff. that's how, how they're they're kind of feeling like, no, someone needs to stand up, right? You know, but obviously we know that that's not what we're called to do as Christians. We are called to give the law so that we can give the gospel, and not just right. give the hmm. law so that we can inspire people to kill themselves. The law and gospel, right? Well, okay, there's um there are a couple of words in here totally. And finally, um, the, yeah, all the words there. In, in my paragraph, they whom God has accepted and beloved effectually call the same body as here, can neither totally nor finally fall away from the state of grace. Right. Totally or finally. And you can say, what's, why, why this? It's kind of redundant, isn't it? Doesn't it seem like that? But um, if, if believers cannot fail totally, okay, it follows that they cannot fail finally, okay, it's actually opposing Arminians, because Arminians say, okay, you can totally fail, but you can be restored by repentance, that's not guaranteed, they say, but, you know, it's not certain, but, and it doesn't always take place, but you can be restored by repentance, but then there's a finally, and so they also mean that they can fail finally and die in their sins. It almost sounds like they're afraid to take accountability for their words. Like they don't want to. They don't. It almost sounds like when, the way you say it, it's almost like they're. They want to say you can receive it back by repentance, but don't quote me on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can. You can lose your salvation when you had it, and then you can gain it back, but you you, you have to repent. Right. And of course, they'll use the Hebrews passage, Hebrews six. Using that, and of course, that is totally uh, going against with what what is said is, is said in Hebrews six. Matter of fact, we have a text that we'd go there. I don't know if we're going to get there tonight, but that uh, that's exactly what uh, what it arrives at. So anyway, totally, finally, that's why they would put that there. We are totally, we are finally, uh, we have eternal life. Uh, but we cannot totally fall away. Finally, fall away uh, will not happen. Um, we can, we can, we can, um, we can fall away in in a sense of not losing salvation, 
but fall away from the very um, blessings that God has given us. You know, in that sense, we, we, can, we can get off the path. Yeah. So would you say that like God, since he's pre-elected, you said before the foundations of the earth, um, God knew that there would be a falling away in your life, therefore he allows you time to come back. Right, and he's going to bring you back. Right, his plan is to bring you back. Right, and you know, any time that we, any time that we sin, they're actually, you know, used to hear the word backsliding, and of course Uh that can be used very loosely, Um, and that's why you don't, I don't like to really use it, but it is a biblical term, but it has to be explained because in our evangelical realm, and that's another term you have to explain today too, but. Uh, backs any time that we have sinned, we've we've backslidden. Spurgeon w- would use that word quite frequently, and that's that's how he used that in that in that sense. There, any time that we've sinned. Um, look in First John chapter two nineteen. Now, what we talk about here is um, there's a final perseverance, and it's to true believers because there are a lot of people who say they're believers. They they appear to be believers. They they do ministry. And of course, we know the Matthew. Um, seven, you know, where they have done miracles in, in, in God's name. And uh, in First John 2.19, it, it explains that there are going to be those people, all throughout the New Testament we get it quite frequently. Um, they went out from us, but they were not really of us, for if they had been of us, they would have remained with us, but they went out so that it would be shown that they all are not of us. (laughs) That's pretty plain. There are going to be people who really look like they're part of us, and then they eventually are going to expose who they are. Right. There's also that text. uh, It's one of the epistles. I know Paul's writing, but I I can't recall right now. And he says, I hear there are divisions amongst you. Uh, And then there's a sense in which he's kind of like, Corinthians 11. Good thing, right? right. That, dealing with, the, uh, he was getting into the uh, communion, Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. it might be, it might show who's the false. Right. It can show that. So that, and that's, in a sense, that that's good, okay? That they've now made themselves known. We didn't know before, but now it sure appears that way. We still wouldn't, we don't know people's hearts. Uh, but you, you look at those professors of religion, uh, Christianity, such as Hymenaeus and Philetus and and those uh, particular individuals. Um, And the thing is, this is extended to every Christian, every one of them. If one of them could be lost, then they're all going to be lost, right? right? Sometimes one can look like they're having much worse time than, than any other Christian, but... But all who have true grace, it's like a mustard seed, even as small as it may be, a grain of mustard uh, seed, it it extends to everyone. Uh, And we cannot ever owe this to any of our own strength, inherent strength, it's it's not there, but it's solely to the divine grace. It's all the grace of God. Uh, We are utterly weak, we are totally insufficient, and if God left us to ourselves, we would all leave. God gets all the glory, all the honor. 
that's what all this is about, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, if if perseverance depended upon our own resolutions, our faith would soon fail. And of course, good example, Peter. Remember Peter? And of course, denying the Lord, but yet Jesus said, I'm, I'm going to pray for you. And he's not going to fall away totally and finally, right? Uh, there is a total and final apostasy, but those are the ones who are not believers. Uh, but believers can uh, fall into very great sins. And I don't know. We Some of this I'm tying into the second one. I'll just go ahead and read it. The perseverance of the saints does not depend on them. That is, on their own free will. It rests upon the immutability, that means unchanging, of the decree of election. So it's focusing on God again. Which flows from the... Tr- um, free and unchangeable love of God, the Father. It also rests upon the efficacy of the merit and intercession of Jesus Christ and upon the union which true saints have with him. It rests upon the oath of God and upon the abiding of his spirit. So it doesn't depend on us or our will, but it's the decree of God of election and then also the act of Christ on the cross, which is the merit. There's where... It is all merited um, to us. And uh, so, you know, good to know. that This is God holding us. Uh, look at, um, when, you think, when you think of Moses and David and Peter, there is a passage I think is really good. Um, Psalm 37, 24. This is out of the Old Testament. Bunch of New Testament passages. But yes, it's in the Old Testament too. 37.24 When he falls, he will not be hurled headlong because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. Uh, there's another um, reading of this. Though a good man fall, he shall not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholds him with his hand. It's, there again, it's, it's all the Lord, isn't it? Uh, Proverbs 24.16 says, A just man falls seven times and rises up again. Seven, seventy times seven, seventy times seventy times seventy times seventy. And yet, what does it say? He rises up again. Um, Hosea 14.4, The Lord promises to heal their backslidings. Of course, the nation of Israel and such, and His promises there. So, um, uh, another point is sometimes uh, Christians and, and the, the grace in their souls you know, and the faith they have, it may seem like it's greatly decaying, not giving license for sin here, but the exercise is not there. And it was pointed out, it's like a tree. Sometimes a tree has had a severe winter, a severe time, uh, uh, maybe a long time, and, and sometimes we're like trees, and we don't seem to bear the fruit at the time. Matter of fact, a tree can even look like it doesn't even have any life, and yet it comes back. Especially through the, the long winter, you know, you look at those; all the leaves are gone, and you have some skimpy-looking tree out there, and it doesn't look like it has a chance. And the spring comes on, and 
come on, what's happening? Is this thing dead? And sure enough, it comes back out. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's right. They stay dead through June. And <laughs> then they flourish, don't they? Anyway, uh, let's look at some arguments for this. The decree of election, he said. Election. There's a, that means, as, as Debbie said earlier, the book, the book that was written for the foundation of the world. That means there's a definite number of sinners that God saves. And he's elected 000. to do that. <laughs> and that's all. <laughs> It's about the purpose of God. If just one loses their salvation, that would frustrate God. Ah, my, my purpose was this, but I bl- do you see how ridiculous it is for an Arminian to believe you can lose your salvation? If it's up to you to get it, it's up to you to keep it. It's all on you. That's scary. And, of course, Judas would be one that was appearing. As far as the disciples were concerned, he didn't lose any of them, but, but he never, he appeared, Judas he never really right. had any salvation. But, was crazy about that. Right. And I'm like, I, when I read that, I'm like, wow, this guy was born just to betray Jesus Christ. I mean, that is his, I mean, he did all this other stuff, but he was born to betray the Son of God. Like, he didn't have a choice. <laughs> he was, that was God's will for this man from the very beginning. And yet, in his sense, he's also, and as we've gone through all of this, he is held responsible. Right. And, and we try to reason that one out, and that right. doesn't make sense. But the fact of the matter is, is that he commanded, and he, he is responsible even more than hardly anybody because he was around the ministry of Christ, right. walked with him every day. He knew what the gospel was. He the heard it clearly. Huh? He was the four miracles. Exactly. Right. There, with, with the other disciples. There are like a couple of verses that say that um, it's like, there are some who are Satan's from the beginning. Like, because I know that there are some who will not be saved. Because Christ came and he was talking about if uh, if Sodom and Gomorrah had seen the miracles performed here, they would have repented. But God has not allowed you all to receive. So you think that in that same sense that God allows for there to be some who are just going to serve Satan? And everybody, when they're born, we know that they're depraved, right. they're wicked, their father is of the devil. Right. Or, I mean, their father is devil, really, and right. the murderer, the liar. And so they're... Oh, that makes more sense. And, of course, we are born that way, too. Right. And we all, all should be going to hell, right. if you want to look at that, because that's what people will look at and say, that how unfair it is. No... <laughs> we Christians realize we don't want fairness here. Right. We have to have the mercy of God because we all should yeah. go to hell. Why would he even pick one? Why would he pick 
the body of Christ, yeah. There's no reason outside of Him. Yeah. And so if we look at that way, then it changes that matter uh, a bit. So it's, it, it focuses on His grace. But there is that, that double-sided coin. And, of course, Romans 9 makes it pretty clear there are certain ones that he brings for his glory to, to save, and there are other ones that he, he gets to show his wrath. Right. MacArthur just had a, a show on, uh, is either this morning or yesterday morning, I think, and he was explaining that if you guys heard that show. That was the same kind of stuff. <laughs> but it, it, it's along along that uh, same route. Oh, so it's the decree of election. It's also the merit of Christ, his sufferings, his death. Um, it, Christ made satisfaction uh, on the cross, right? right, for our sins, uh, for all of all the believers, every believer. So everyone who is elect, of course, is going to have this. Uh, if the saints fall from the state of grace and they perish, then there has to be a double satisfaction. And that sure can't make sense. God is satisfied what Christ did on the cross. So what we have here, either Christ did or did not make an atonement for the sins of his people. Right? If they have to pay twice, I mean, if there has to be double payment, Christ paid it at the cross, right? But then the, it's been paid. If they don't perform right, then there's going to be a double payment. They're going to have to pay for their sins too. And the thing is, here it, it has to go to again to his elect, and it, it's all on the merit of Christ's sufferings. That's how seriously that is. Uh, how about Christ's intercession? That we have constantly every day. John 17. 17 11, uh, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world. But that you should keep them from the evil one. Um, John, John 17. John 10. Um, you think of the, the sheep. He knows his sheep right? Um, security there. How about the inhabitation of the spirit of God. Who lives within us. Uh, John 14. Uh, says that he will abide with us forever. He's going to abide with the disciples forever. Us. Um, never will there be a turning away from him because it's the Spirit of God that does that. Certainty, isn't it? But yet at the same time, we have to get this in a balanced sense. Here's what perseverance does. Say, watch and pray. The commands are there. Repent. Confess your sins. Um, and those are good. Uh, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Right? So there's the things that we do, all those exhortations. So now, we turn from this, we go to a natural sequence now. And this is exactly where Audrey is at or when you asked, you know, you were saying, here's, here's what happens. We just looked at the doctrine of perseverance. If one is a Christian, they will always have regardless of how they feel, whatever, here's the deal. It, and it's, it's what God does. He preserves his people. That's doctrine. Uh, it's like, can, can I know that I'm a saint? Yeah, absolutely. Here's some of the scriptures that we look at. Uh, you know, I'm saved today. Will I be saved tomorrow? Well, we've seen that half the body of Christ says uh, maybe not. <laughs> and 
we as Calvinists and Reformed theology say, yes, we will be saved forever. All that's answered there in, a, in our chapter 17. I didn't read point 3, but I kind of covered talking about it. Chapter 18 is now it gets to assurance, which is me, I. Am I in Christ? Am I in him? You know, we're dealing with uh, assurance. But it's really related to perseverance. But yeah, now it relates to myself. And and people can go up and down, especially in the very early years, uh, very early time of being a Christian. Uh, there can be unregenerate men that deceive themselves and say that they have hopes of eternal life and they know they're going to be saved. There can be those people who have heard that and actually believe it, but their lives never show it. They really are just vainly deceiving themselves. Can that happen? Well, certainly. True believers in the Lord Jesus Christ may certainly be assured. The other kind of believers, he they believe because... You know, they believe the facts, but it's not really here. They can't have assurance. They may come up with their own assurance, but it's not the assurance that we're talking about here. And we're talking about an assurance of rejoicing and the hope of glory, and and uh, well, we can know that. So anyway, that section one, um, says, although temporary believers and other unregenerate men may vainly deceive themselves with false hopes, carnal presumptions, that they are in favor of God and a state of salvation, such a hope on their part will perish. Yet those who truly believe, you notice that, in the Lord Jesus and love Him in sincerity, they believe in Him, they love Him, and who endeavor to walk in all good conscience before Him, may be certainly assured there we go, there's the words, in this life that they are in a state of grace and may rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And such a hope shall never make them ashamed. Good to know. Is it possible to be assured according to the Westminster Confession? Yes. There is a warning, and it's talking about there are people who are unregenerate that actually think they have an assurance too, so there is a difference. This is directed again against the Arminians and directed against the Roman Catholic Church. The Church of Rome flat out denies that it is possible for any person in this life to have some kind of conjectural uh, idea possible that you are going to have salvation. You, you can't ever say that as a Roman Catholic. And, and try it. Say, I know for sure that I'm saved. I have eternal life. And they will correct you on that. Now, so you can't know that. Yeah. It doesn't First John repeat over and over, so this you may may know that you have. That's the one you always use right there. It's a good one. Yeah, part. I'm curious where he got the term temporary believers. Temporary are the ones who profess faith. They go for a little while. It's Hebrews is a great example of that. Uh, they're ones that they've tasted the, the Word of God. They've tasted the Spirit. They've been with people. Everybody thinks that they're Christians too. Uh, they really look. Those are temporary believers. Right. That's the way it's worded. Yeah. 
in the confession, though, it says hypocrites. And hypocrites aren't necessarily temporary. I mean, they can be hypocritical and still... It, it would be the ones in First John. They, they eventually are going to show themselves. Okay. And, and so that way, temporary, I think, reason he probably put that there, those are the people that we can experience. We can see those okay. people. And then we can say, wow, I wonder if they really ever, we don't know for sure, but sometimes there was never any fruit there. It looked like there was, but, you know, and all of a sudden they're denying the Lord Jesus. Okay, we, we've all probably seen those people and experience that. That would be a temporary one. I do have a passage here that concerns me. Exodus 32, 31 through 33. It's, it's when Moses was begging for the forgiveness of the people because they made the golden calf. Mm-hmm. And he says, but now, if you will, forgive their sin, and if not, please blot me out from your book which you have written. The Lord said to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. So it sounds like there that God can take somebody out of his book of life. Is that okay? No. No. And we know from too many other scriptures, right? And Moses is saying that, you know, he's interceding for the people. He's like a priest there. He's an intercessor. He's a mediator. He's a mediator. Um, and if you think of... of Paul in Romans 9. Um, I'm t- here's, here's Israel, and that's dealing with Israel there. Moses pled for the people, like even like Christ does. And, and it's almost like, you know, hey, um, blot me out of the book. And if you don't, I mean, he's pleading for them. Paul says, I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart for Israel. For I could wish that I myself were accursed, cut off, go to hell. Where he says, separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. But it's impossible for that to happen. Paul knows that. But this is how much he pled for his people and interceded for them. He says, they are my brothers and I would... I would go to, and it takes us to the farthest length you can think of. Not just die, but I would even go to hell for them. You know, that can't happen, but that's how much he cared for them. And that's where Moses is at in that sense, too. Well, it's just that it says the Lord said. Well, I think, because um, I think there's often times in the Old Testament that when encountering God, a lot of them will ask God and God will reply and his reply when he says I will take whomever out of my book as I please you know he's saying my book I'll do with it as I please you know there's many times where he's like I'm he's God. Saying he's God yeah there's my rules I'll do as I want yeah. and you don't worry about my stuff yeah it's and like if it's I not by my that, choice for right. those to not know it then I've already said that right. and so he's not going to take anybody whose name has been written in there but I think he's just making it clear to Moses that you don't worry about who's in my book. You just do as I say. You, know? <laughs> you just do as I say, but he sees faith with Moses. And, you know. But I think that's kind of what it sounds like. Well, yeah, it's like, okay, they were in the book. And and, and by the way, there is a, a book, and the books are going to be open for judgment and such. There's a book where all the people in the world, okay, you know, in that sense, is there real, literally a book? Well, it certainly could be, but 
uh, maybe, you know, but at the same time, you know, God knows who's, who, who is on that. It, it's definitely put in a, in a way that we can understand. You know, the, this is the role. You know, these are the ones. But there are people, everybody who's ever been born, in one sense, that has life, and, and then death is going to be taken. Maybe a, um, MacArthur has a note here, untimely or premature death would constitute being blotted out of the book. And then he points out that Apostle Paul displayed a similar passionate devotion for his kinsmen. Um, but, um, I mean, that's as strong as a statement that any, anything can be done. And God comes back and says, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Uh, of course... There's two books, right? There's the Lamb's Book of Life. Right. And then what's the other book? There, there is... Everybody else? Well, if you look in Revelation, what do you have there? That You have a, a, a book there. You have a, the books... You know, they're determined of what's that? I think it's just the books. Plural. Yeah. Plural. Right. And, and all their works will be shown against them. They haven't trusted in Christ. That's the biggest thing. But then their works will even count them. You know, in that sense. So there's there's books that God has, and uh, of course that that's one where he would he could take them out of their you know their their existence right there. They could they could die. Uh, and whoever has sinned. Um, of course, that, that can be everybody, but uh, ultimately it's going to show that uh, the, the sinner that uh, is not saved by grace, is they don't have that and, life. And there's, there's also the point that God uses means to, to have his uh, elect persevere, and one of those means is by warning them. And he just uses that as a... Right. Uh, severe warnings. Right. And uh, yeah, definitely, and that should jar us, you know. And of course, He is a God who disciplines us, but it's always for, uh, you know, the good of His children. It doesn't seem like a true believer would be able to endure God's, you know, like when a, when a believer is rebellious, they kind of separate themselves from God's grace. And in that loneliness, you know, you can feel it. Mm-hmm. You can feel that. Well, it's like a, 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 a fellowship. Yeah, right. it, and, and but that fellowship is always there. We're 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 in that family. We never get out of that family. Right. But there can be distance between family members. And, of course, God is not the one who moved. Right. We are the ones who moved. And he's always there beckoning us uh, back to him. Sometimes he might leave us alone for a while. Okay, just be out there alone and see how you really like it. And we catch it pretty quick, don't we? Um, the assurance of faith. Uh, we have promises of salvation through the Word of God. We have the testimony of the Spirit, and we've covered that for Romans 8. I always like Ephesians 1, 13, where it talks about we are sealed to the day of redemption. Sealed all the way up through this life. Isn't that beautiful? It's all throughout. Yeah. Every you can see it in every book. 
it's just, and some just shine. Of course, Romans 8 just shines like a diamond, you know, because it's so lengthy in that. And, of course, by the time you get to the end of that, nothing can separate us. <laughs> and he goes to the extremes, height, depth, you know, and whatever. And I'm saying to the Arminian, do you not see what this means? What is this? And even myself cannot separate. And they'd say, yeah, but you can choose to do that. Yeah, the devil can't, can't do it, but you can do that. And you look at that passage, and it's even dealing with, yes, even ourselves. Even life. Life. <laughs> so anyway, you, you, look at, um, you look at all this, and of course we're, it's not trying to convince of, us of these things, but you can see what they went up against back at that time. So that's why, okay, why are you mentioning the Catholics? Why are you mentioning all the other denominations? Well, you have to have an, a reason. You know, you give an answer for why you believe it. And so these scriptures are helpful. Uh, this is why Christians are to examine themselves, uh, to give all a diligence to att- attain to this assurance. 2 Corinthians 13.5. Second uh, Peter one five through eleven. Give all diligence to make your calling and election sure. He's talking to believers here. Give diligence to make about this calling and election sure. That's dealing with the people who can so easily start doubting. And, and it's not to others. It's not talking about to unbelievers or people who are just faking it. And, and he, he shows you how you do this. Uh, add to your faith. And, and then he talks about love and knowledge and all those different building blocks. He said, add those to what you already have. And he's speaking to the believer there. This is how you make sure of this brotherly love, kindness, and uh, all of those. Um, Hebrews uh, chapter 6, verse 11, of all things, that is the very book that people like to hang on to for losing your salvation and you look at the end of that section, you can't help but see a vast difference between the professor and the possessor. Hebrews 6.11 says, And we desire that each of one of you show the same diligence so as to realize, here we go, the full assurance of hope until the end, to realize that. So is it possible that Christians can sometimes not realize their assurance? Absolutely. And that's what uh, Audrey was talking about. This happens. I've talked to many people. Carolyn and I knew a guy. He constantly battled with that. He would just be rejoicing in the Lord. You'd see him the next day, and he would just be so mournful. deep depression and then the next day he would be out and he would just go up and down we'd say hey look look and, and he'd go through the, the, the text and the passages and they go oh for God you know I mean you know you point him to the scriptures sure did sure did but that took a long time and he would battle depression to the point of where he was ready to take his life uh, that happened several times I mean really close he was being 
I mean, you know. Well, he was blamed himself for his chem. He had he had destroyed his body and his chemistry in his mind, oh. and he knew that was some of it. Uh, but like you said, they're saying the enemy took a great hold also. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah, he, he, he would. But he knew he would where he needed to go, though. That when he got like that, he instead of closing up, he would come hang out with. You know, he knew. Yeah, he hmm. figured out this to hang out with Christians. If he didn't know how to do. For. Uh, First uh, John chapter two verse three through five. Whoso keeps his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know that we are in Him. Uh, how about this? We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. First John's great on it. First John, yeah, yeah it's just one after another there. First uh, uh, John chapter two verses three and five. First John three fourteen and nineteen. Uh, hereby, that's what I'm reading here. Hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. 1 John 3, 14, 19. The, the whole epistle there proposes uh, those kind of things. Know that you have eternal life. 1 John 5, uh, 13. Exactly. <laughs> Very good. That's a good way to I love that, Audrey. That's exactly it. First John is black and white. You're either this or you're not this. You're either Christian or you're not. I mean he and he doesn't give any middle ground whatsoever. It's one or the other. And and of course that that's true. You know, if you love your brethren but if you don't love your brethren, you're not a Christian. I mean it's just like that. If you if you practice sin, that means continually do the same sin. You're not repenting. You're not confessing. You're not a believer. So he's straight to the point. Because I have wrestled with things that never, never it seemed like I would have any victory over it. But what you do is when you sit down. I think that goes back to I mean, yeah, but it's like that's where the enemy grabs a hold. Well, and that's what in First John chapter one he says. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. Then it says, if we say we have no sin, so you have that if we sayers, and then you have the the doers. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, there's the doer. He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you so believe that God forgives? Is He going to cleanse your sin? I know some people so say that's the first thing I'm going to ask Paul. <laughs> <laughs> because I can deal with physical things like that. Because I can deal with physical things much better than I can deal with the fact that, oh, why did I do that? I don't like doing that. Right. It's not something I should do. Really things, 
And then this is why the Word of God is so comforting. You turn to the Word. Uh, here's Psalms, for instance. Go out of the Old Testament. David says this, I will behold your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. How about this one? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How about Job when he says, I know that my Redeemer lives. This is before there was ever even a resurrection. How about Romans 8? And we, we probably ought to just close on this one right here. What's that? Yeah, yeah. Well, on the, on the internet it says we're done at 8.15. <laughs> but in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through Him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you trusted, it, yeah, that's what it's that's what it's about, right? How can it make it any? Yeah. <laughs> Go back to the promises. Can I add just one more? You can do that. <laughs> So those are promises, and that's pro well, that is the way to get out of the doldrums. It may not feel like you're out of the doldrums, but when you go back and you know what is truth, and you love to hear that, when you hear that verse like that, even when you said it right there, when when you said like just a couple of words, it's like, oh, yeah, it's refreshing, and you love that. Uh, an unbeliever really doesn't really get the enjoyment out of Scripture. And, and when you see those, you go, yes, and amen. And that right there is Romans 8 where it says the Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God adopted into, you know, into, into Christ. We are the beloved. And so the, the Scripture along with the Holy Spirit, right, and, and I was going to kind of get in a little bit of what about that inner witness, but I think we know that that's the spirit bears with our spirit or with what we know of as the word of God. Yeah, Barb. Yeah. You've got to do this chapter 18 justice, Dennis. You've got to read out loud the story. Yeah, we didn't really get there, did we? Yeah, it, it just oh. really drives everything home. Is this what we're going to close on here? Well, this one's actually longer than what's up there. Which one? 
Okay, you, read it. Read what you have there. It's, it's beautiful. True believers may have the assurance of their salvation in diverse ways, shaken, diminished, and intermitted, as by negligence in preserving of it, by falling into some special sin which woundeth the conscience and grieveth the spirit by some sudden or vehement temptation, by God's withdrawing the light of his countenance and suffering, even such as fear him to walk in darkness and to have no light. Yet... Are they never utterly destitute of that seed of God and life of faith, that love of Christ and the brethren, that sincerity of heart and conscience of duty, out of which, by the operation of the Spirit, this assurance may in due time be revived, and by which, in the meantime, they are supported from utter despair? Kind of wraps it up. Yeah. All through the confession, that is that kind of ties that with what they've been saying all along. They keep bringing out the thing, you know, you you know, a, a, a sinner, you know, who has been saved and and yet he falls back into sin, and and they talk about that. And that's there's warnings to that, but yet it always ends back up if they're truly his. And, and then you see there's grace, utter destitute. And that's what this is really meant to be because we've all had those battles and struggles. Some may um, have more troubles with assurance than others, but uh, when it all comes down to it, we cannot disagree with those, that statement you just read right there. And that's hope. That is comfort. That is truth. These all revolve around Scripture. That's many different Scriptures, and we just went to a few tonight. We just... Just read one after another. It causes you to love God more. That's the idea. That's that's why we want to do the things that He wants us to do because it's out of our love motivation, isn't it? Thank you, guys. Let's close. Father, we thank you for these truths. They are precious, precious promises. And it is really good to be reminded, Lord. And that's one of the reasons, one of many reasons, of, uh, for your glory, really. But that we, we come together just to be, um, be able to, to share your word and your truth and to help us as we walk in this daily life where the enemy wants to shred us and yet it always comes back to your truth and your Holy Spirit. Uh, empower us, Lord, to be able to um, go through the rest of this week to live in this plan- on this planet, in this life, in these bodies you've given us, so that we can honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we thank you once again for joining us. We pray that this message would serve to edify you. And we say goodbye until next time. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. Till next time.